I got some coffee. You're rolling. I'm rolling. Yep. All right. Blinking red light is indeed on this time. Yeah. So we're on 53. This is 53. Episode 53. Yes. All right. It's a sunny, uh, partly cloudy Friday morning where I am. Same here. It's a muggy as hell day right now. A day where you got to crank the AC and hope to God you don't have to step outside ever. Oh, no, man. I love it. July, July is my favorite month of the year, and I'm probably completely odd. But the 100 degree day, muggy, give me it every single day. I don't mind muggy if uh, I'm if I'm meant to be sweating, so if I'm outside doing manual labor or exercising, then it's totally fine, and I, you know, I, I'll, I'll sweat it up. I'm a, I'm a big shredder, in case you had, hadn't realized by looking at me. But yeah, so uh, but when I'm, for instance, uh, I've got this wedding tomorrow that I'll be going to, and mm-hmm. I'm really kind of nervous because it is outdoors. It's going to be. Uh, you know, uh, an afternoon wedding, and I know I'm just going to be sweating my gonads off. And, yes, I, yeah. I, I will put the the asterisk next to you. Don't want to be wearing a suit on a July day. No. So uh, I, I even reached out to the groom and asked him. So you know, you said dressy casual for the wedding. They're pretty loose and laid back people. I asked them, you know, shorts, yes or no? Uh, that's a no, dude. They Come said, on. they said, you know, uh, don't, hey, don't, he, he don't said do that, it. He said it could be shorts, has to be nice shorts, though. There are nice shorts. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm saying I disapprove. Disapprove. I it's, disapprove. Either, it's either shorts or I am just going to be a you know drenched, stinky, sweaty, smelly guest, which nobody wants. I don't want to offend anybody with my presence. <laughs> that, that, that that is a good thing you don't want to offend people at a wedding no oh so uh yeah what are what are we what are we what are we doing here what do we do uh on ab- this show we we absolutely do not talk about uh, uh you know, wedding attire uh traditional versus conventional or any, any of that or my sweating habits no that's definitely not what we do at all uh, so we uh, wait for a few minutes until we've been talking for a little bit before we do an intro. So, hey guys, welcome to the Command Edit Podcast, episode 53. Uh, thanks for, if you're still listening, thanks for uh, tuning in and pressing play. Uh, at any point, uh, if you like what you're hearing, then we would love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave a review for us over on iTunes. Uh, use, uh, you know, whatever, use your own judgment when leaving a rating. Uh, we really would appreciate it. And we love to hear feedback from our listeners, which we do get feedback and it has yeah. been great through our email, through uh, you know, Twitter comments and stuff like that. Um, so thank you, our listeners, for uh, letting us know how we're doing. Yeah. Uh, so this is the sweaty wedding episode. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, what are we talking about today, Nick? It's my wedding and I'll sweat if I want to. Uh, Guelph maybe, is... Maybe, uh, maybe we'll talk about the, you know, the siren convention that's going on outside <laughs> right now. Man. Oh, it's the middle of the day. It's supposed I, to be quiet. I know, I know. 
we are talking about uh, the ins and outs of compression for today. So uh, compression and deliverables. So when, uh, during even pre-production, how to know what you're going to be handing over to the client. Um, because sometimes the client is very specific about uh, specs on what uh, gets delivered over to them as far as uh, your video format and uh, codec are concerned and other details like that. And sometimes they have no freaking clue and you've got to use your best judgment. So we'll be talking about that. Right. Uh, so uh, I will say for me, uh, starting out in editing, this topic was so confusing for me. You know, but essentially when you boil it down to, you got all these ones and zeros that are moving pictures in your NLE and you got to take them and then put them into a self-contained file out of your NLE. And it's how how do you get there? And how do you get there at an appropriate file size? So yeah. that, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. But first, a couple of little goodies to get you started with uh, at the start of your day and the start of your week, hopefully. Um, this uh, I just came across this new plugin that just launched yesterday. I'm pretty excited about it. I've been trying it out and uh, the beta version of it, and it's been really, really cool. So I don't know how you find your music to uh, include into your projects and how you go about finding temp music and how you go about uh, purchasing the license. Uh, what uh, you know? What services do you normally use? Um, pretty much uh, Audio Jungle because it, it's pretty pretty reasonably priced i've used the music bed um and then um uh, the new one the new one the new one i'm trying out uh it's not a triple scoop is it no 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 that's one that i use well while you're uh, thinking about that yes i gotta jump on twitter <laughs> there is uh, i have a i have a bunch i have a huge folder of bookmarks of different music sites that i go to for licensing because uh you know usually you have to search for uh, a few to find them but the hassle of trying to find that track, download the temp track, import it into your project file, uh, edit straight from that, you know, use that as the, the watermarked version, and then, uh, you know, having to purchase the, the actual version, download that new file, and sometimes those don't fully match up, so you have to retime it. It's, uh, it is kind of a hassle, and I won't name any particular music sites, but I wish that they would operate a little bit better where the temp track and the actual track were the same length, so uh, it was easy as a drop and uh, drag and drop replace. So this new audio plugin from Audio Network just came out, uh, literally I think like just yesterday at the time of this recording, and it's for Premiere. So uh, for Premiere users, this is for you. And the long and short of it is, it's a, a it features a panel directly in your Premiere project file. So when you open up your open up uh, your project in Premiere, it will actually have a uh, panel that you can access where you can seamlessly browse music, uh, download temp tracks, import them directly into the bin, uh, start working with them right away, and purchase the final track uh, and have it automatically replace the track in your timeline, uh, all without leaving Premiere. That's cool. I it, will say that's really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So uh, the app I was thinking of was is a, a Sound Stripe, and they're a subscription. I think it's $10 a month, and it's unlimited. Like, And then once you download it, you have it for forever. Ah, okay. I have heard of yeah. Stripe. Yeah. 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 Cool. So uh, I'm just starting to use them. And then, uh, yeah, you brought up, uh, yeah, the, the preview not matching up. So literally last night, uh, I'll call them out, Audio Jungle. Um, you know, <laughs> I had four different tracks for four different videos, and I finally got the thumbs up from the client to buy them. And, you know, Audio Jungle, here, I'll give you a prop. They were $19 each. So that's awesome. So downloaded them. 
uh, got him in, and literally they were they were thirty seconds different. Hmm. You know, like like with See, the with the preview track. I don't get why that happens. Why it can't be a simple like there is a watermarked version and a non watermarked version, same length, same timing, same everything. Right. So, it, but then again, I don't. I don't. I don't manage as a, a music stock site, so I don't know the ins and outs. Maybe there's a reason, but it's uh, it sounds profitable though. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, the the idea. Well, this this uh, this particular plugin from Audio Network. Uh, I've been following their. I, I just caught wind of their stuff yesterday, and so I've been following them a little bit. I registered for the beta test, which you can do as well. Link for that is in the show notes, uh, so you can try out the first wave of testing for the plugin and let them know what you think give them your first thoughts uh it's pretty cool and i love uh there there's i think there's uh, a lot of great plugins that are uh that have come out recently and also are on the rise that are allowing you to do more without leaving premiere so it's kind of like how you know adobe stock has been working where directly from premiere you can peruse uh video stock and same thing, you know, uh, drag and drop, start using it right away, purchase it when you mm-hmm. need to. Um, so, the, way off topic, you use uh, Adobe Stock a lot? Never, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. And then, like, I know <laughs> A- Avid, they have their own, like, online store now where you can get to, like, right from Media Composer. And, and, I mean, that's been around for, like, a year or two at least. And, like, I haven't opened it once. So if you're out there and you use that, like, hey, let us know, like, what your experience is with it. Like, is, is it worth it or... I mean, is it just too late and we're all just so used to going to these sites and downloading files? Uh, so, yeah, let us know. Down a note, there's an idea for a future episode. We should just uh, try out a whole bunch of uh, video stock sites and uh, give our opinion of each one, each one of them because I know a bunch of them operate differently. Some of them operate on a subscription. Some of them operate on uh, per, you know, you know, uh, purchase the clip, uh, depending on the, the specs, the resolution, and the quality that you want. Um, and you know, there's a big differences in quality between all of them. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to do, uh, kind of a comprehensive review of all of them, but that's for another episode, not for this one. All right. What's so this one. Yeah. By the way, if that's a good idea and you guys would be interested, uh, let us know, tweet us, uh, over at uh, command edit, uh, and just tweet us and, uh, uh, tell us, uh, you know, get to work on the video stock site comparison and we'll do that. Yeah. Um, other things I'm going to include in the show notes, just to kind of flesh things out, uh, just to get them get through them pretty quickly. They, I came across the world's best basic tutorial for Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, okay. And uh, it is very basic. It's very quick, and it's very funny. Um, it's a parody, but I'm not going. I don't want to give it away. Um, it's disguised as a, a basic tutorial, but there's definitely some more dramatic stuff going on. So. Uh, so if you uh, if you yourself are looking to get started with Premiere, um, this is not a good video for you to check out. But if you, uh, I think it would actually be funny if you had a client, if uh, a client came to you and said, "Hey, can you just teach me some of the basics of Premiere?" You can respond by sending this over uh, uh, this link over to them. So go ahead, uh, check out in the show notes. Uh, I'll just embed it in there so you can press play and get a good laugh. Uh, as well, there was a random tip, uh, random Premiere tip that I got this week that I had to share because I never knew it was there and. It kind of changed my life a little bit. All right. What was it? Uh, someone over at PremierePro.net posted uh, this uh, this article that uh, that explained that, uh, you know what? A lot of people have been saying, you know, where is the native motion blur within Premiere? Okay. So, have you ever wondered that? Uh, I mean, being in Premiere for only the past <laughs> seven weeks, uh, no. 
All right. Well, it is actually there, and I'm not gonna. I I will knock it for saying like, well, it could have been a lot easier to access than this. I actually never knew this was there. So, uh, you can actually, uh, you know, if you want to be moving text or objects around, and you want to be using some mo some uh, motion blur. In the past, what a lot of people have been doing is using the, the directional blur effect, uh, where you have to you know change the uh, uh, you have to you know, change the the specs every once in a while. Um, you have to add some keyframes and let that that that. That's a lot of work. So right. instead, look for the effect transform effect with motion blur. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it could be easier. It shouldn't be an effect that I have to apply. It should just be accessed right in the uh, the good old regular uh, motion uh, drop down panel. But uh, if you apply this effect, it has the same transform uh, position controls as uh, as uh, they do appear in the motion tab for any object on your timeline. However, now you have the added feature of uh, adjusting motion blur. So it's the exact same thing. So you would just, you know, uh, however you're gonna move your text or, or graphics around the screen, um, it's the same properties that you would ma manipulate, but now it will uh, apply a motion blur to it. So hmm. there you go, random tip. Well, well uh, it seems like we're never gonna get to the codex, but I have, I have two quick Premiere things. Uh, since, you know, I'm so new to Premiere, like I'm learning things all the time, uh, I learned, you know, you would think to duplicate an item like you would in After Effects or in Media Composer, it would be Commander-Control-D. That doesn't work in Premiere. That'll give me a cross-dissolve in the timeline, which I keep <laughs> randomly doing and keep finding. Uh, instead, I learned it's uh, uh, it's on Windows. It's Control-Shift and the Slash key to duplicate <laughs> a selected item. And it makes no sense, but that's my that's like my shortcut for the week so i got that one i got that one down uh i wish it was command or control d but uh yeah it is what it is and the other thing man i've been in premiere actually a ton the past couple days and the the patching you know from the source monitor to the record monitor mm -hmm. is driving me crazy really it just it it does not work how avid works <laughs> and and every time I, I I could do like four clicks, you know, because like uh, I've been putting in, you know, a shot and then a title like over top of it. And each time I got to, you know, patch it manually on the source side and the record side. And I don't know. It's driving me nuts. I'm going to end my rant right now. Weird. I've never encountered that before. But then again, you're probably you might have be. Uh... Well, well, in in Media Composer. Um, well, I don't know. I'm sure you can in Premiere. I just don't know it. But to select or deselect tracks, there's keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. So, if, right. So, like in in Media Composer, if I deselect track V1 and and select track V2, the the clip on the source side, the V1 track will jump up to V2. Uh -huh. Because yeah. because I activated it on the record side. Sure. So. It's not doing that for me in Premiere, and I also don't know the shortcuts, so I have to mm. deselect V1 manually, activate V2, and then activate V2 on the record side, on the source side. Ah, so it's okay. three clicks instead of two keyboard taps. I think I rarely even adjust uh, like the de you know the destination tracks of where I'm uh, of where I'm. My workflow for feature films is very, very different, so I, I've never really needed the, uh, to use that before. But I know that there are shortcuts for that, so I'd have to, uh, I'd have to take two seconds to jump into Premiere and find them for you. But 
and uh, I, I'm not, I, I can't tell, I, can't, I don't know if, it, if it's easier to use than the way Avid is set up, but I actually do remember that, you know, my experience in Avid, it was pretty easy to do that, pretty fast. But It is. Yeah. All right, I got a compliment from Nick. Hey, hey, Avid does, uh, yeah, Avid <laughs> did a lot of things right. It got me editing right, more with the right, keyboard. Right. It's very fast. Yeah, I'll they give it do, that. They, they do the editing stuff right. Okay. It's all the other supplemental stuff that would drive people. Crazy. <laughs> it's everything anyway, else. Let's talk about let's talk about Codex. That's right. Let's, let's, let's talk get about into Codex. it. So why should we even talk about Codex? Like you know, how much do we even really need to go into it? Well, uh, what we're not going to be talking about is the nitty gritty uh, stuff. The really fancy schmancy talk about you know what is a Codex and uh, how does it work. Uh, so we're, it's not going to be an explanation necessarily of uh, how uh, compression of your videos works and why it's done, why there are different uh, flavors of it, whatnot. However, if you do want to know more about that, I will say that uh, I did find, I curated a bunch of links that will uh, spell it out for you in both long and f short form. There's uh, you know a very fast five minute video that explains everything you need to know about uh, video compression, how it works. And uh, as well, there's a much lengthier uh, like 40 minute video that goes into way more detail. So if you really want to know, then go ahead, check out uh, the show notes and click on those links and find out more. Educate yourself. But uh, for the, you know, let's assume that there's at least one listener who actually does not know what a codec is. They're looking to get started. So in, you know, 30 seconds or less, uh, what is a codec and why should we care about it? So, uh, all right, as, as we kind of talked about at the very beginning, uh, you have your video in your NLE, and you have to make it into a file. So pretty much a codec is saying, it's telling like all those ones and zeros, like what it is, like, hey, you're a video, or hey, you're an image, or hey, you're a Word document. That's a codec, a dot .move, a dot .doc, a dot uh, .mp4, dot .wav, like, like, that's a codec. It's uh, it's saying you're a human or you're a, a buffalo or <laughs> you're a rhinoceros. Uh, so you are uh, you you are uh, let's say you're playing God with the ones and the zeros. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a little philosophical. Um, okay. I got my little I got my little, I got yeah. my little uh, a zoo of of animals uh, like yeah. like tiny like uh, uh, rubber animals that sit on my desk. That's why all the animal <laughs> references. Amazing. Right. <laughs> well, it's basic. Uh, why it's called codec is it's short for compression decompression, and so a codec is uh, a, is a software that is used to code and decode a video signal. So uh, you, what you have typically is your file format. So it could be QuickTime, it could be AVI. Oh wow, you little baby koala! <laughs> Josh is distracting me with the zoo animals. <laughs> Um, so basically, yeah, you have your file format, which is your container. So it could be a QuickTime, it could be uh, an AVI, it could be WMV, uh, and then the codec is uh, how the video is being translated into that format. So uh, you know, kind of think of uh, the way I put it is the the file format is the book, uh, the actual physical book, the pages, the the cover, the cover, the spine of the book, and the codec is the language that the uh, you know the contents of the book are being written in, so it's how right. it's how it's being deciphered. Um, that and... analogy was a little better. I think mine was a little more creative. <laughs> you made yourself out to be God <laughs> in your analogy. I just I just incorporated books into mine. So, <laughs> uh, but yours did come with a baby koala, so that uh, that does get a thumbs up. Uh, so yeah, admittedly, when you first start out, you don't really need to know the you know the 
the actual physics behind uh, you know compression and you know the really really fancy stuff of how uh, you know how it does what it does unless you really want to um, because let's face it I can't give a proper explanation of it. However, uh, when it does come to deliverables, what you're going to be delivering to your cl uh, your client ultimately, uh, it does matter uh, for one of two reasons. Either one, your client knows specifically what they want, so they are very knowledgeable about the specific file that they do want delivered for either broadcast or online or whatever. And so they actually give you delivery specs and say, we want this to be delivered. We want an MOV uh, encoded with you know DNX HD or H.264. Uh, it needs to be at this bit rate. It needs to be this, 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 this. And you need to be able to deliver to that. So ordinarily in that case, it sounds pretty nice because they tell you what they want and you just have to you know kind of plug it in and, and encode it for that. Um, and then the other hand is when uh, the client has absolutely no idea what you're talking about when you ask, when you mention deliverables or different file formats, they have no idea what right. they want. So, I mean, if you're doing broadcasts, like that's a whole other beast of like what you need to deliver. But uh, I will say the vast majority of us, uh, I mean, we're, we're just, we're doing web delivery stuff. And, and as of right now in 2016, like, Everybody wants a, a an MP4, uh, you know, like that's that's the thing. You know, six years ago it was an MPEG two. Uh, in in four years it'll be something else. Uh, but right now, like we're living in the M uh, MP MP4 world. Uh, so pretty much, uh, you know, to kind of give like a a a a, a overview. Uh, I'm struggling, but hey, we're we're just gonna roll with it. Uh, so there, <laughs> so for web delivery, you know, you pretty much want the best looking thing for the lowest file size. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the the art and beauty of compression is it's a balancing act. You're trying to go for the uh, the highest compression ratio to uh, file size, or, or uh, essentially uh, smallest file size, but highest video and audio quality and uh, what compression is actually doing is uh it's it's adding in what we all should love redundancy it's removing stuff that is unnecessary from the file format to reduce it in size but while not taking away from uh anything essential so any any uh quality uh Im any image or audio quality any uh you know it's not going to take away too many frames so that it looks strange um if you've ever been watching a video uh, on on YouTube in particular, where you see some weird kind of ghosting effect, where you see some, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden there's uh, some uh, artifacting or uh, some pixelation going on. That is usually a uh, that's usually pointing towards uh, improper compression. Um, so it's been highly compressed, and uh, you know it needs to you need to either bump up your bit rate or change the codec that you're using, whatever. So it right. is a bit of an art form to figure out what is the right, you know, what is the right bit rate, what is the right codec that you should be using. Right. So when Nick says highly compressed, uh, essentially, uh, at least at least for me, I find like th there's two main factors, uh, you know, when it comes to compression, how how small of a file you're trying to make, and that's the the size of the pixels. So 1920 by 1080. Uh, that's going to be a bigger file than something that is 640 by 360, you know, because every single frame is triple the size. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one factor. And the other factor is bit rate. So if it's at, uh, you know, five second 
or 5,000 kilobits a second compared to 4,000 kilobits a second compared to 8,000. Like there's going to be a difference in your file size and the ultimate quality. So if you have a two minute video, you can bump up, you know, those numbers. Uh, and sometimes like the, the 1920 by 1080, um, the, the size of the video that can't change, but the bitrate can. So with a two minute video, uh, you can have a higher bitrate and to get, uh, you know, the same file size as a in a 10 minute video, you got to lower that bit rate. Yeah. And uh, you've even got uh, you know, further encoding specs, uh, further encoding options anyways. Uh, yeah. A, your average bit rate and your maximum bit rate. So uh, the reason when you're doing variable bit rate anyways. So uh, yeah. we're getting this could be kind of basic stuff. So bear bear with us for a second. But there are probably some listeners who can afford to, to listen to this. But variable, variable bit rate is... Uh, uh, when you're compressing your video and the bitrate will uh, go up or down, it'll adjust according to the bitrate that it decides it requires for that specific frame because uh, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but uh, if you have a video where the camera is locked off, the person is stationary, talking ahead, not moving, there's not a lot of motion, there's not a lot of change in the pixels uh, mm-hmm. you know, on average, uh, that's actually going to be uh, it doesn't require a high bit rate. That requires a low bit rate to compress because the pixels are not changing often. So there's less, uh, you know, the, it, I'm not going to go into the really, really uh, fancy schmancy part of it, but uh, if uh, some pixels stay constant throughout the video, it doesn't, the, the uh, compression uh, doesn't have to tell those pixels to change. It only says like, okay, um, you know, you, this pixel is going to be gray for the entirety of the video. I'm just going to tell you once. Rather than, okay, I'm going to need you to change from gray to red to green to blue, uh, you know, every two frames. So a lot of motion, that was a little bit more detail I wanted to go into it, but basically translates into uh, more motion or more uh, change in the pixels and pixel information uh, will result in requiring a higher bit rate uh, to maintain a good, uh, you know, a decent video quality. So if you have uh, a video with a lot of motion, then you should use a, if you're gonna be using variable bitrate, uh, adjust your maximum bitrate so that, to be much higher. So your average, your, your uh, you know, average bitrate can be at whatever you wanted to set it to, uh, either you know, uh, 8,000 megabits per second or 10,000, and your maximum, you can crank up to, I usually just crank it up to full. So you know whatever it needs to be, uh, if there's gonna be a lot of motion, then, uh, it will spike it up to that maximum for the frames that it needs to. So, right. does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, and so also with compression, you you generally have an option of either one pass or two pass. And pretty much what that means is how many times is it going to go through the compression software? Is it going to look at it once or is it going to look at it twice? Uh, I pretty much always do twice uh and it does take twice as long but you generally get a little bit better results yeah it polishes uh it polishes your video a little bit better um especially for delivery if i'm doing something and i'm really under a time crunch it's just for preview purposes like all right i'll fire it out just under one pass that's it but uh and i hardly ever use constant bitrate ever Mm -hmm. um right so So, so the the constant bitrate just how nick was describing the variable bitrate how it goes up and down based on you know you know uh, the 
the image moving uh, for the file. Uh, when it's constant, it'll always stay at whatever it is, 8,000, 6,000, 14,000, whatever you set it at. Um, so like with the talking head video, uh, sometimes you can get away with doing a constant bit rate. Uh, but I mean, I think, what, nine out of 10 times, 99 out of 100 times, we're, we're both doing variable bit rates. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's a brush over of kind of the basics of uh, you know what settings you're going to be dealing with when you uh, do fire up an encoder or compressor and decide to uh, export your movie. So hopefully we haven't lost a whole lot of people who say, yeah, 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 we already knew that already. But uh, uh, that's OK. I, I don't I think that's completely fine. You guys need to hear this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. This is again, this is all what we love to talk about on the show is the stuff that we wish someone else had told us when we first started out. So. Right. And just, you know, how hearing you describe things helps me and, and hopefully vice versa. Um, you'll think about uh, koala bears and whatnot for compression now. Uh, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I know with Media Composer, when I need to get a file out, essentially I have to spit out a QuickTime movie. Uh, and then from there, what I'm doing, I'm throwing it into compression software. And Nick just mentioned Compressor and Adobe Media Encoder. And uh, the other one that I like to use is Sorensen Squeeze. Those are kind of the three big ones. I mean, you can use something like Handbrake because it's yeah. free. But, I mean, most of us, I think we're using Media Encoder uh, today. So uh, we're going to take you know our QuickTime movie um, and throw it into Media Encoder. Or if you're over in Premiere... Like you're just spitting it right into media media encoder, which I will say that's pretty nice being able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you hit Control M, Command M, whatever, and your sequence jumps right into media encoder. Uh, and then what? What what are we doing? We're we're, we're setting our our codec, our choosing our preset. You're choosing your file format, your file container. Uh, you, yeah, there's a bunch of presets. However, I always go in and tinker with them depending on what I I'm looking to deliver. Uh, so it always does kind of depend. And usually if it, uh, most of the clients that I deal with for online content, they are clueless as to what they exactly they want. Uh, sorry, not, not what they want, but what they need. Uh, so of course they don't need to know, you know, what, what file format, uh, codec they, you know, nah, they, they don't need to be bothered with that. They look to you to know that. So, uh, I tend to try to cover bases. I, I asked them early, early on, what is this going to be for? Okay, so this is going to be uploading to your Vimeo account. So I'm going to export an MP4 at this bit rate. Um, and I'll keep the file size to this so that if I drop off a you know an 8 gig file uh, for them to upload, they won't freak out. Um, and uh, usually I'll give them a lossless master you know, if they're uh, if they're a, a decent enough client, I'll give them something to hang on to for archival purposes only for the future. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, so real quick, do you want to explain lossy versus lossless? Lossy, lossless. It is kind of what it sounds like. Uh, so, uh, lossy codecs are codecs where they will be kind of ruthless with how much information they. Uh, they take out so they'll uh, they lossy our uh, codecs are aiming to compress the file into a small into a very very small file so to almost to the point where uh, you will probably experience some loss in information image quality uh, with by using them so an mp4 it's generally it, it is it is lossy I mean we are losing quality Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at, you know, at its base, you know, all you know, there, there's you can export some using some uncompressed codecs, but all codecs are, you know, there's some loss. Right. I, I, I just don't want to scare people when they when they they think, 
oh, oh, I don't want to use an MP4 because it's lossy. I'm going to lose quality. Yet you're going to lose a little bit. Yeah, so, it's a matter of if, but, if it's noticeable or not. Right, but you can use uh, a QuickTime movie and do uncompressed, and you're going to get, what, a, a 80 gig file. Uh, and then, you know, hand that off, delete it from your hard drive. Because you don't need it if uh, if you still have everything in your NLE. You know, you don't need that 80 gig file sitting around taking up room. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to uh, yeah, delivering stuff, obviously, yeah, you want to try and uh, if you use a you use a lossless uh, video codec when you're looking to archive or if you're straight up not concerned with file size. You know, so if your deliverables uh, stipulate that the file size can be however big as you want, if they want a master, use a lossless one. Or if it's going to be uh, like I often do export uh, clips for visual effects uh artists to use so it's going to be passed off over to someone else for them to also work from and then they're going to export it and bring it back and so it you know each time you pass it back and forth you don't want to use too lossy a codec you don't want to lose information each time you export it over from the editor to visual effects or to colorist and back again because with each generation you will lose more and more information so uh for instance uh, i'm Today, I got, I was emailed a, by uh, a client who I assumed he knew the the basics of of what we were talking about. I assumed he had some knowledge of this, but uh, the way the conversation was, he emailed me and said, "I'm a director. I have this film. I have a shot that needs something fixed, so I need you to, to work some visual effects wizardry on it." He sent me a sample of the shot. Uh, I looked it over, said, "Cool, I can do this. It's going to take X number of hours." Send me over the. Uh, I, I told them, you know, send me over uh, either one of two, uh, one of two things: either an image sequence, uh, which is very lossless, um, or send me over a QuickTime Apple ProRes four x four for me to work from. And he replied back, "What?" And he had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. So I I wrote back and said, "Sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you. Um, you know, is there anyone else there? Can I speak directly to your editor or uh, just send me the original file?" Uh, for me to work from and he said okay cool yeah i'll do that <laughs> oh there's nothing like uh having somebody send you email you or text you a uh a video shot from their iphone yeah they're like oh yeah, yeah i recorded this two minute two minute uh thing can we insert it into our you know 4k video uh <laughs> and they and they text me they text me you know uh All the video the i'm like yeah. i'm just like but it was shot with know. an iphone it's 4k <laughs> T- texted texted you know and it's it's eight megs now so what what, what do you think i'm gonna get uh so i mean like like codex i mean they play a big role like just just you gotta know the difference in 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 just the different file formats like you gotta know like okay do i want a tiff or a png or or a psd or a pdf i mean these are all different you know um uh, still images, but I mean they, they can make a difference in what you do, and it's the same thing on the video side. Yeah, and, and audio side. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this, you know, it's always good to get this stuff out of the way early on in the project to know what you're going to be delivering for, or if your client has no idea, uh, to ask the right questions so that you know what you're going to be using, so what you're going to be exporting uh, uh, as to uh, deliver the final product. Um, 
And so, uh, like I said, we didn't. You know, this episode wasn't meant to go into the details of how compression works. There's plenty of resources out there, and really, uh, you know, do you know, do all editors have to know exactly, you know, what you know, what interframe and interframe are you know, like? Do they need to know the the big details for compression? No, not necessarily. A better understanding of it may help you, though. So, I do encourage you guys if you want to know more about how it works. Uh, and uh, it will also help in future decisions on what file, what file format to use for what sort of delivery, uh, what codec to use. Uh, go and uh, check out the links for those for the exhaustive looks into how compression works. Uh, if anything, it's great nerd information for you to uh, throw at your colleagues next time so you can show off your gigantic brain. Yeah, I will say one, one, one kind of last thing. When you find kind of an exporting workflow, you know, something that works for you, you know, th- these certain presets for your QuickTime movies and your, and your MP4s, uh, save that stuff. Save those presets so you can just go back each time and select those. And then uh, pretty much, you know, it's going to you're going to get the same file sizes each time. Uh, you're going to know, like, you know, I put everything up on screen late for review and I have, you know, a capped you know, amount of space I have on there. So I know like I can expect a 200 meg file when I spit this out and I, and I got to keep it at 200 megs because I only have, you know, 250 megs left in my account. So (laughs) it's just, so, I mean, it is useful to kind of, kind of, kind of know like, like what your final output's going to be each time. Yeah, I've got a slew of presets uh, in Encoder that uh, are all, you know, uh, use this one for uh, online review. You know, so it's a fast, it's a low uh, bit rate, uh, really, really fast uh, encoding preset. And then I've got a bunch of different ones. Like this one is for, uh, you know, master for Blu-ray authoring. Or this one is for, you know, uploading to ScreenLight. Or this one's for Vimeo. This one's for YouTube. I have my own ones, so. Right, I have like ScreenLight small, ScreenLight big. And then I have like (laughs) final small, final big. Final extra big. <laughs> I've got an Instagram one now too. Oh, nice! Because nice. now so doing a lot of that, right? Yeah. Well, I've had a number of clients uh, asking me for they want uh, videos that they upload to uh, YouTube and Vimeo, but actually, more often than not, now I get asked for uh, accompanying files for uh, upload directly to Instagram and Facebook because Facebook handles video very well. I've I've oh, I've loved how Facebook uh, has evolved into uh, being able to post your video in pretty decent quality and also instagram recently upped their uh their their duration limit for video so now you can put 60 seconds of video up on there and so a lot of people are taking advantage of that yeah that's that's even 60 seconds it's way too much if you're gonna be using it for advertising or marketing purposes that's that's too long because like how long do people really stick around as they're browsing through their instagram feeds so i still think uh i think that actually that change brought some criticism a lot of people said well when when it was 15 seconds like that forced you to be creative and to be very choosy in what you are showing so 15 seconds you know kind of forced you to make something really really good Uh, whereas 60 seconds now it's a little bloated so you know you're going to see a lot more stuff out there that people don't really want to watch so how how likely are people going to stick around for a 60 second video when they're just trying to go through their instagram feed and like a couple videos and like a couple photos yeah, well, all right, man. We got anything else for this one? <laughs> Not really. I guess. Uh, I guess what I could uh, consider doing is, uh, if people are interested, I'll post also uh, in the show notes uh, a couple of uh, encoding recipes that I have. So a couple of my own presets that, if you are looking to create some of your own and uh, uh, kind of uh, load them up in encoder, just so you've got them, uh, I'll put uh, the one that I currently have for Facebook and for Instagram. 
uh, video uh, video exporting, uh, as well as uh, the one that I have. There's one that I have that uh, uh, in Encoder, it's a preset that automatically applies a, a two three five uh, the uh, aspect ratio bars on top and bottom. Uh, so that's more for the feature film and for the you know uh, for the uh, narrative film uh, filmmakers, but uh, still pretty useful. So I guess I'll post those as a couple samples. So if you need those, go check out the show notes as well. Uh, anything that we've talked about in this episode, you'll find over in the show notes. So uh, yeah, let us know that you're there. If you go there, leave a comment. Just say hey or smiley face or eggplant. I don't know. Yes, eggplant. All of the eggplant emojis. <laughs> See some post-production eggplants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I think we did a decent job today. Yeah, I think we're. I think that that's you know that's my productivity level uh, of uh, of the day reached. So I'm going to call it a day. That that's all they're getting from us, right? Yep, that's it. So thank you guys for listening, for pressing play and uh, plugging us into your ears. If you have enjoyed this episode, like I said, leave an iTunes uh, iTunes, <laughs> uh, leave an iTunes review. We really would appreciate it. Uh, any comments towards us, uh, how we're doing, really really helps. And if you want to interact more with people like us who are crazy and uh, sleep-deprived editors, come and join the Command Edit Podcast Facebook group where uh, we post uh, updates on the episodes for the podcast, but also uh, daily you know, helpful links. People uh, post the things that they find all the time, so they're always uh, asking questions, answering questions, sharing news and updates. Uh, it's a pretty good community that we have over there. Yes, we have we have a awesome, growing community, uh, and and they're interacting with each other. They're 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 all they're like becoming friends, which I love seeing. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's it's just a good time in there. Absolutely, and plus there's cake. Yes, internet cake and yeah. eggplant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, I'm Nick. And what? One last thing. Uh, the the eggplant wrap at Trader Joe's. It's like three ninety nine. I know we're joking about eggplant, but it's really good. You should give it a, you should give it a shot. And I am Josh. <laughs> and we're all hungry for eggplant now. Great. I'm hungry and confused. I'll see you guys next time. See ya.